welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we're joined by community pastor Ted Canaries as we continue our series, Unseen. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. Have you ever had a brush with greatness? You know, maybe you're out about in your normal day and you bump into somebody that maybe you've read about or heard about or seen on TV, maybe for years, you know, somebody famous. Have you ever run into somebody famous before and had that sort of, whoa, surprise feeling where you meet somebody you've never met, but you maybe know a lot about them? How many of you had an experience like that? I'd love to hear some names. Who are some of the people that you have bumped into? Patty Duke. Very cool. Billy Williams. Billy Williams. Robert Redford, Ron Santos, Sidney Portier, some really famous people. Wow, that's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie, there was much more impressive people last service. I'm just going to say. You don't want to compare, but I am. Um, I've had a few brushes with greatness in my day. In fact, you might not know this about me, but I'm close personal friends with Jimmy Fallon. I have a picture to prove it. There we are. Uh, Most people probably would have put their hand down by then, but I was pretty awestruck, and I kept my hand up for the rest of the show. And in fact, you can see I have not changed since. That's actually the same shirt. I can do that for you. You see it? One of the more random brushes with greatness that I've had is I was in an airport in a country in West Africa, and it was an airport that just had like a dirt floor. It was a very rough place, and, um, you know, I'm sorry to be graphic, going to the bathroom and I'm standing there and this other guy walks in and I notice that it's another white person and I hadn't seen a white person in a while so it kind of struck me and he came over and stood next to me and I look over at him and it's Sir Richard Branson. Do you guys know who that is? The guy who owns like Virgin Airways and every company basically he owns it and he's there by himself in this airport standing right next to me and for those of you who don't know there is a guy code in the bathroom. Very important. You do not make eye contact and you do not, under any circumstance, acknowledge another human being in that room. Maybe when you're washing hands, but that's it. But I'm thinking, hey, I feel like I kind of know this guy. I know who he is. I know what he's about. And so I go for it. I can say, hey. And he kind of looks at me funny and goes, hello in his British way, and I couldn't muster up any more words after that. That's all that happened. (laughs) And so we just went about our business and left, and that was it. I still have no idea what he was doing there. Kind of freaks me out, actually. But what happens, it's kind of awkward when you meet somebody like that, somebody you know a lot about, but you really don't know anything about them in truth. You don't know them. And today, we're going to be talking about somebody that I think many of us have heard a lot about. Maybe you're really familiar with him and you've read a lot about him, but maybe you don't really know him. You don't really know this most famous person. It's one of only three people who are present in the Bible from beginning to end. Any guesses? Any guesses who we might be talking about that'd be so mysterious? The Holy Spirit. That's right. This morning, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. 
We're continuing this series we're calling Unseen, where we've talked about angels, demons, spiritual battles, and just everything that's happening in this unseen spiritual realm. And today and next week, we've set aside time to talk about this really cryptic uh, person that seems to be kind of a mystery to us, which is the Holy Spirit. So I really want to encourage you to come back next week. Don't just hear this part, hear the next part as well, because there are so many questions that we couldn't possibly answer in one week or in two, frankly, but you'll get far down the road if you come back next week. So please put that on your calendar. When it comes to the Spirit, we really struggle. We struggle with what to even call the Holy Spirit. Do we call it the Holy Spirit? Do we call it the the Holy Ghost? Um, Or do we call it just the Spirit or, or God's Spirit? Do we say he or she or it? And when we start talking about the presence of the Holy Spirit and being active around us, are things going to start getting weird around here? So we intentionally set aside these two weeks to really tackle this subject, to get to know the Holy Spirit. So what do you say? Should we get started and get to know the Holy Spirit? All right, let's do it. The first thing that we need to know about the Holy Spirit is that he is the eternal God. And we hear about God's spirit right away on the very first page in the very first words. Genesis 1, verses 1 through 3 says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. So right off the bat, we learn three really important things about God. We learn, one, that God the Father is the creator God of all things. In verse 2, we, learn, we hear him described as a spirit hovering over the waters in the formless earth. And then in verse 3, God speaks. And through the power of his word, everything that we see comes into existence. So right from the start, we have Father, we have Spirit, and we have Word. Now, some of you might recognize that phraseology or that idea of the Word from the New Testament. In fact, one of Jesus' followers, John, wrote the Gospel of John, strangely enough, and he started it by saying this, in the beginning, sound familiar? The Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. John is telling us that Jesus is the Word of God, personified. And the Word has always existed. So from the very beginning, we have Father, we have Spirit, we have Son. And it was a mystery that eventually became known as the Trinity. And so as the Holy Spirit has always been, We move forward into the Old Testament learning more and more about who this Holy Spirit is. And the Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force like the force from Star Wars. He's a personification almost of God's incredible desire to relate, to be with his people. And in the Old Testament, we read about the Spirit being the presence of God that people experience. So, for example, the prophet Haggai reminds God's people that God is going to be with them. And the presence of God, God's spirit, is going to remain among them. And then at other times in the Old Testament, we learn that the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, is the presence of God that empowered individuals to accomplish God's plan. So on occasion, the Holy Spirit would come on a specific purpose, person, for a specific purpose, for a specific time. 
And when that purpose and time and person were done doing what they were doing, the spirit would leave them. So for example, you see Joseph having the spirit in him as he interprets Pharaoh's dreams. You see a man named Samson who the spirit of God comes on him and gives him incredible strength to beat Israel's enemies. And you see a man named David, the boy who defeated the giant Goliath and eventually became the greatest king of Israel, filled with the Holy Spirit. We're told that the Holy Spirit gave David the plans for the temple that was to be built. And later we find David praying and lamenting, confessing to God, saying this, create in me a pure heart, O God, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. You see, David treasured the Holy Spirit. He understood the Holy Spirit as his source of strength, of wisdom and discernment. It was the energy behind his kingship. And from these examples and others, we know that throughout the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit empowered individuals to accomplish God's plan. But... When we turn the page to the New Testament, when Jesus enters the scene, everything changes. And after Jesus' death and resurrection, that very same powerful spirit that was present at creation and present with the Old Testament prophets and present with the stories that we already described is described a little bit different. It's not the presence of God who takes up residence in one person for a time and for a purpose. It's the presence of God who takes up residence in every Christ follower, every single one of us. If you are a follower of Jesus, Jesus promises that the spirit of the living God is with you and will dwell in you and will never, ever leave you. It's an incredible truth that's almost too incredible to truly comprehend. A couple years ago, I had an opportunity to travel into a couple of Middle Eastern countries that were not friendly to Christianity. And I got to meet with some of the church leaders there, men and women who were risking their lives on a daily basis for their faith. And I met a man named Sean. And Sean blew me away. I've never met anybody like him. He told story after story after story of just the amazing things that God was doing in this place that you would never imagine God working in such powerful ways. Churches being started, lives being changed, communities being transformed in this radicalized part of the world. And he's not doing it in hiding. He's walking out in plain sight. He's being arrested regularly and he is not afraid. And I pulled him aside afterwards. I'm like, Sean, how do you do this? You have a wife and a kid. How do you do this? And he thought about it for a second. And he said something so obvious, but so powerful. He said, everywhere I go, I know that God goes with me. When I walk into a room of maybe questionable people that feel like they're a threat to me, I know that God just walked into that room. So I don't need to be afraid. When I walk down the street and I'm telling people about the love of Jesus, I don't need to be afraid because right there next to me, God himself is walking. Here's a man who's living in the reality that Jesus came and taught us, that God himself is dwelling inside of him. So he is using him in unbelievable ways. And the same thing is true of me and you. 
That same spirit that was active in Joseph, that same spirit that was active in Samson, that same spirit that was active in David, that same spirit that was active in Jesus, that same spirit that was active in my friend Sean is active in you and me when we give our life to Jesus. Truly incredible. Now, I know some of you here today, maybe you've heard of this before, some of you maybe not, and you're still kind of swimming in the details of everything that we've shared. So I want to show you this video, which I think will help sort of visually describe the presence of the Holy Spirit that we've been talking about. So watch this. If you've ever heard the phrase, the Holy Spirit, and you want to know what it means, where do you start? Well, you have to start on page one of the Bible, where the uncreated world is depicted as this dark, chaotic place. But then above the chaos, God's Spirit is there, hovering, ready to bring about life and order and beauty. Okay, but... What is God's spirit? Yeah, so the spirit is the way the biblical authors talk about God's personal presence. The Hebrew word is ruach. Ruach. Yeah, you got to clear your throat at the end. So what is it? Well, ruach can refer to a number of different things, but what they all have in common is energy. Energy? How so? So there's an invisible energy that makes the clouds move or the tree branches sway. Right. Wind. So in Hebrew, that's ruach. Okay. Now take a big breath. So you feel that inside you? Yeah, the air? Well, specifically the energy, right? The vitality in your body that you get from breathing deeply, that too is ruach. And this is the same word used in the Bible to describe God's personal presence. Just like wind and breath are invisible, God's spirit is invisible. Wind is powerful, and so God's spirit is powerful. And just as breath keeps us alive, so God's spirit sustains all of life. Yeah, ruach. Now, as we continue on in the story of the Bible, we see God's Ruach giving special empowerment to people for specific tasks. The first person in the Bible this happens to is Joseph. God's Spirit enables him to understand and interpret dreams. And then it happens to this guy named Bezalel, and he's an artist. God's Spirit empowers him with wisdom and skills. He's given creative genius to make beautiful things in the tabernacle. And we also see God's Ruach empower a group of people called the prophets. They're able to see what's happening in history from God's point of view. That's exactly right. And here's the problem as the prophets saw it. While God's Ruach had created a really good world, humans have given in to evil. They've unleashed chaos into it through their injustice. A new type of disorder. Yes. And the prophet said the spirit would come, just like in Genesis 1, but now to transform the human heart, to empower people to truly love God and others. How will this new act of God's spirit happen? Well, centuries pass, and we are introduced to Jesus. And at the beginning of his mission, there's this beautiful scene where Jesus is being baptized in the waters of the Jordan River. Yeah, the sky opens up, and God's Spirit comes and rests on him like a bird. The story is saying that God's Spirit is empowering Jesus to begin the new creation. And we see this happening when he heals people or forgives their sins. He's creating life where there once was death. Now... Israel's religious leaders oppose Jesus, and they eventually have him killed. But even here, God's spirit is at work. The earliest disciples of Jesus, who saw him alive from the dead, said it was God's energizing spirit that raised Jesus. This is the beginning of new creation. Yes, and it's still going. When Jesus appeared to his closest followers, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. 
And soon after that, the Spirit powerfully comes on all of his disciples. So that they can become a part of this new creation and share the good news and learn how to live by the energy and influence of God's Spirit. And so today, the Spirit is still hovering in dark places. Yes, pointing people to Jesus, transforming and empowering them so they can love God and others. And the Christian hope is that the Spirit is going to finish the job. The story of the Bible ends with a vision of a new humanity, living in a new world that's permeated with God's love and life-giving Spirit. So the Spirit was, is, and always will be the active presence of God in our world. And when Jesus left, he promised that the Holy Spirit would be the supernatural presence of God living within everyone who would follow him. And so for the remainder of our time today, I want to unpack what the Spirit's role is in our life. And I want to use three metaphors to describe the Holy Spirit's role in our life. The first is this, a magnet. The Holy Spirit is like a magnet that is drawing us to Jesus. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I loved playing with magnets. In our house, if you put a magnet any lower than five feet on the fridge, it will disappear spontaneously. We have three boys, it'll be gone. They love playing with it. One of the things I used to do was you put a strong magnet on top and on top of a ta- on the bottom and top of a table. And you guys ever do this? You could like move it and it would follow it magically, right? I used to love doing that as a kid or trying to move things on the table. I admit I'm pretty easily entertained. But it's sort of like how the Holy Spirit works in our heart and in our life. It's an unseen force that's drawing us close to Jesus. Now, it's not a dominating force. It's not forcing you to do it. You can choose to go your own way. But if you do decide to go with the flow of the Spirit and allow him to draw you in, he will make you closer to Jesus than you ever could have been without. John 15, 26 says this. It says, when the advocate comes who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father will testify about me. You see, Jesus saying that the key role of the Holy Spirit is to draw us into relationship with Jesus, to testify about him. And then John 14, 26 says this, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. So the Holy Spirit's like a tutor, like a private instructor that teaches us the ways of Jesus and empowers us to follow it. It's like uh, the force that's allowing us to live in the way of Jesus. The Spirit works like a relational magnet, drawing us in to the person and teaching of Jesus Christ. Second, the Spirit of God is like a lamp, a lamp that sheds light and reveals truth. Jesus said, when he, the spirit comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. One Christian writer, Ian Thomas puts it this way. I think it's really helpful. He says, the Holy Spirit is like a man with a lamp entering a dark and dirty room. And what you have learned to live with in the dark becomes repugnant in the light. 
In our first house, we had these huge couches that sat really low to the ground in this tiny room. And so we could never really get underneath them. And again, we have kids, and so there's all kinds of stuff that getting under there that we can't get at. But when the movers came and when they lifted that couch, it was disgusting. It was like a perfect outline of the couch that was filled with like Lego pieces and fruit snacks and dirt and grime and all kinds of indistinguishable things. I mean, it was terrible. But what do you think we did? As soon as we saw that, as soon as what was hidden became exposed to the light, we cleaned it up, right? It was exposed, and so we took care of it. The Spirit exposes the sin in our world. It exposes the the sin and the junk in our lives so that we can turn from it. Now, I know that can seem a little bit scary, like God is going to see all your stuff that you're hiding or the thoughts that you've had, the things that you've done. Let me just assure you that God, the Holy Spirit, is not like a mocker or a bully that's going to just sit there from a distance and go, shame on you. Shame on you. That's not how God works. It's much more like a doctor, right? A doctor reveals things that are going on that we can't see. And why does a doctor do that? To heal so that we can be made well, to return us back to being whole as we were meant to do. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And the Holy Spirit sheds light on truth. John 16, 13 says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. One of the chief ways that the Holy Spirit does this is through God's word, the Bible. It makes it come to life for us as we read it. I remember one season of my life where I was really wrestling with a big question in my life, and the question was this. I felt a deep sense of calling to become a pastor and a lot of clarity about it. I knew somewhere in me that this is what I was supposed to do. But there was a whole other side of me that did not want to do that, that was afraid, that was just as powerful but much less clear, and I had this tension, this battle going on inside of me. And so one day, uh, I just felt it welling up. And so I went to a church in our neighborhood. It was this old, beautiful church. It kind of smells like old books. You know what I'm talking about? And I sit back in the back row and I'm like, I just need to clear my head and pray. So I open up the Bible to the New Testament, Matthew. And I just start reading chapter one, two, three, four, chapter five, chapter six. And then I get to the end of chapter six And it's as if the Holy Spirit flipped a light switch on in my soul. And I could see myself. I knew what was happening. It just made sense. Let me read verse 24 to you. And this is what God spoke to me. He said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one or love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And here was the knife twist. You cannot serve both God and money. That's what I was trying to do. The truth is, I was afraid. I was afraid that if I chose that path for my life, I would not be able to provide the lifestyle that truthfully I really wanted to live. And so I didn't have the courage to walk that path. And I was trying to serve two masters. And I needed the kindness of God, the Holy Spirit, to flip on the light switch to show me what was going on so he could do what only he could do which is this, to somehow simultaneously wound you and heal you. 
I was wounded by the greed that I saw in my heart. But then I was healed by the love and the grace of Jesus that says, come to me just as you are, but don't stay that way. And I believe that God spoke to me on that day. And I was able to take a step I would not have been able to take without the power of the Holy Spirit flipping the lights on and showing me what was actually going on in my heart and speaking to me through his word. God, the Holy Spirit, is like a lamp, a healing and revealing light to guide our path. And finally, the Holy Spirit is like wind. Wind that's moving through us with life and power. Jesus himself made this analogy. In John 3, he says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. And so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Jesus is talking to a religious leader in this passage, a man named Nicodemus. And he's telling Nicodemus that he has come to bring about a change and a transformation in people that's so profound and so significant that one of the only ways that you could describe it is being as if you were reborn. Still you, but somehow new, somehow better, somehow fresh. And Jesus is saying that that's what the Holy Spirit's role is to create that transformation inside of his followers. And he says, how the spirit does that is like wind. Jesus says the spirit is unseen and maybe even a little unpredictable, but he is powerfully working in us and all around us. The spirit is like wind. It's invisible, but the effects of wind are perceivable, right? I can right now feel the wind blowing against my face. I can go outside and I can see the wind throwing the leaves. I can hear them rustling. I can see the trees moving. I might not be able to see wind, but I can see the effects of wind. And so it is with the Holy Spirit. You might not be able to see the Holy Spirit, but you will be able to see the effects of the Holy Spirit. Now, wind, wind is a powerful force that cannot be controlled. But wind can be harnessed. The power of wind can be harnessed. How many of you have ridden down like one of the highways that goes through those like wind turbine farms, right? You've seen those? You can put a hand up. It's okay. Um, And they're just everywhere, these giant turbines. And they represent this amazing potential power of wind. Just that a gust of wind, allowing that wind to blow through that field of wind turbines creates an enormous amount of power, doesn't it? The same is true in our life. By allowing the power of the Spirit to blow through our life, the power that's generated there will accomplish something in you that you cannot accomplish with your own efforts. Even the most heroic efforts to do good and to be good could never accomplish in you what that wind of the Holy Spirit can do in you. Do you know what that is? Transformation. Change. True change. In fact, I believe that we cannot fulfill our life's purpose without plugging in to the power of God because it's the Holy Spirit that's to give us strength to walk the way of Jesus. 
And we can experience that true transformation and true power when we allow ourselves to go with the wind of the Spirit, to live in the flow of its power, to walk in the surge of that Holy Spirit wind at our backs. You see, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is like a magnet, a relational magnet that's drawing you in to relationship with Jesus. The Spirit is like a revealing and healing and guiding lamp. And the Holy Spirit is like a wind, like a powerful and mysterious wind blowing life and power into you. And here's the kicker. This Holy Spirit wants to be active and present in every day, in every moment of your life. The question is, are you listening? Are are we letting him? Are we surrendered to him or not? The apostle Paul says this. He says in Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the spirit. Be filled with, with the Spirit. And it's talking about a continuous, ongoing action. It's as if he were to say, continue letting yourself be filled by the Holy Spirit. This means that we need to keep on opening up our lives, our minds, and our hearts to the Spirit. And we need to continually ask the Holy Spirit to come and to fill us up. Now, this doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is not already present and active in your life, especially if you're a follower of Jesus. But it does mean that as we grow in our walk with Jesus, we can become more and more aware and walking in partnership with that wind and that power of the Spirit in our life. You see, being filled by the Holy Spirit is not something that's accomplished by effort. It's not something that you grab a hold of. It's something that God does. He is the actor. He is the filler. We are simply the receiver. And so our posture is one of surrender and prayer. And so this week, I want to challenge you, those of you who are here and are willing to take this step, to pray, to ask God to show you his presence and to fill you with his power. Here's the prayer I want us to commit to praying every day this week. It says, Holy Spirit, make me aware of your presence and fill me with your power. And I wanna give you a chance to pray that with me right now. Those of you who are ready, would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, make me aware of your presence and fill me with your power. Let's do it again. Holy Spirit, make me aware of your presence and fill me with your power. Friends, if you're ready to pray that prayer, to open yourself up, to surrender, to allow the Spirit of God to fill you up, get ready. Get ready to see things happen around you that you never dreamed possible. Get ready to see God do things that you never thought could happen. Get ready for the unseen to become seen. Get ready to see God do what only he can do. Let's pray. Father, our prayer is a simple one. Make us aware. Let us see 
the unseen ways that you're working in and around us. God, fill us with their Holy Spirit. Let us feel the power of that wind so that we can have the power to live as you have called us to live. Lord, make us aware and fill us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.